Welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Cause a Scene podcast book club um, episode of How to Be an Anti-Racist, Chapter 18, Survival. We are at the end of this book. It took us a minute, but we got here. So we're just going to read through and then I'm going to have some final thoughts um, to end us with. So I'm going to start on page 230. The source of racist ideas was not ignorance or hate it was self-interest and this is I put a star by that because it is so important we remove agency from a lot of people when we talk about um, racist ideas come from ignorance and hate um, and not attributed to self-interest it's another reason why um, I'm no longer promoting um, white fragility by Robin DiAngelo it's not that um, it's a bad book what uh what is is it's an academic term and and an academic um a theory and in the wows <laughs> it looks like oh i'm so ignorant oh i didn't mean to be hateful or um it's or or you know that person is hateful or oh that's just their white fragility they didn't mean it no there's a lot out here is about self interest um and we need to own that So many people are benefiting in various ways based on white supremacy. And that includes um, white people, model minorities, and black people. We all have found a way or the system has found a way for us to benefit so that um, we will continue to uphold it. it. If it did not benefit everybody in the system in some kind of way, we would have overthrown this at some point, whether we are recognized where we benefit or not. Um, Continuing on, the history of racist ideas is is the history of powerful policymakers erecting racist policies out of self-interest, then producing racist ideas to defend and rationalize the inequitable effects of their policies, while everyday people consume those racist ideas, which in turn spark ignorance and, and hate. Educational and moral suasion is not only a failed strategy, and I highlighted this next, it is a suicidal strategy. And I wrote in the margins, fuck civility, the expectation that I must appeal to the moral nature of others while I'm being harmed. This is so why, fuck civility means so, I get so many, it becomes so much deeper to me as I um, use it and, and, and promote it and think about it and process it. At first, it was just, you know what, if whiteness, if whiteness is, uh, if, if civility is optional for whiteness and the, um, and the expected behavior of people of color, then damn it, I don't want that anymore. You know, that was me throwing off that, that whole, I've always been a person, you ain't going to tell me what the fuck to do. <laughs> so that's what that was. But the more and more I un- un- um, learn and, and, and challenge and, and reflect and so on, fuck civility means so much more than that. Fuck civility is fuck um, white supremacy, white supremacy. Fuck how I'm supposed to. Um, all those teachers who told me that. Um, um, I mean, I literally had a teacher in. I think I was in the seventh grade, but I had him. It was in a small Catholic school. He was going to be my eighth grade teacher. My mom was like, "No, we're going to take you out of that school because this is going to be hell for me for the year." But he actually had math groups, and it was an all black school. He was a white 
teacher, Mr. Maluth. Oh, I hated that fucker. Um, he had two groups of students. He was the only teacher who did this. He had a dumb group and he literally called them and the smart group. And I was in the dumb group because he was a math teacher and I did not like his ass. And so I really didn't give a fuck about the class. And it wasn't until, um, because my mom told me that, um, you know what? I can't deal with you being in his class. There's no other class for you to go to. I'm going to put you in this public school, which was in what people would call the hood. Um, and it was a public school that my godmother's kids went to. Um, and so we used her address for me to go. And it was a, a public middle school with all black teachers. And I excelled. I so excelled in every every um domain um i actually went in um because all of her my godmother's kids played instruments so i went in um their first week of school um in band he put me in advanced band just because i knew them and i was like dude I, 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 what the hell are you doing and i was supposed to play the flute and for the first two weeks i literally cut that class because i was like i do not know what the hell i'm doing why the hell you got me in this advanced band bullshit and he forced me. He was like, you are not going anywhere. You are going to learn this thing. And I could tell you by the end of that school year, I could play everything we played except for Flight of the Bumblebee. And if anybody knows about that, that's some very, very fast fingering. I hadn't gotten that good. But in a year, I knew how to play that flute. And it was years later when I saw him, um, years later, I saw him um, and I literally saw his face and I just started crying. And he was like, what are you crying about? And I, he was the person that told me that school in the heart of, you know, what people would consider the ghetto and the hood, because there were black teachers there who did not talk down to me, who expected me to excel, who demand, not just expected, demanded that I, that I excel. Um, I just started crying because he, that experience told me, confirmed for me that I was not dumb and that I did have value and I could learn. Um, and so it's a long way to, you know me, that's how I unpack that, but that's why I fuck civility. Every little way that tells someone particularly a person of color or a black person that they are not good ass or they have to work harder than or they have to do 10 times. No, fuck that. I am going to show up as I am. I'm no longer going to be putting in fucking 10 hours of work when the average white dude puts in one or two hours of work just to show up in the room. Fuck you. I'm not doing it anymore. Um, so that's what my fuck civility is. Um, and we'll keep going. <laughs> Same page, um, 2.30. I talked about racist policies leading to racist ideas, not the other way around, as we have commonly thought. I talked about eliminating racist policies if we ever hope to eliminate racist ideas. I talked and talked unaware of my own hypocrisy, which readers and attendees picked up. What are you doing to change policy? They kept asking me in public and private. And I wrote in the margins, this is a question I continue to ask members of the hashtag cause the scene community. And unfortunately, most of you don't have an answer. And I'm going to read that again. This is the question I continue to ask members of the hashtag cause the community. And unfortunately, most of you do not have an answer because you are doing absolutely nothing but soaking up free education from myself and from other people's lived experience. This is why I refuse to spend my personal money anymore on hashtag cause a scene. 
if I can't get, have almost 8,500 followers, if I can't get 50 people, 50 to give me $100 a month, and I know there are people out there in the community who can afford that because you've wasted on food, um, who can give me $100 a month to support myself and to continue to do this work, then you get what you get. You get the podcast when I sit, put, when I get it to you. You get whatever it is when I get it to you because to do this work has not only a financial cost, my hosting costs have gone up substantially. My... Um, domain costs have gone up substantially, but also just my mental energy um, to do the work of uh, educating the oppressor while also processing my own oppression. It takes me so long to read these chapters and God knows what's going to happen when we start reading Nell Painter's History of White People. But it, I can't just read this and do a podcast. I have to read and my, pub, my um, podcast engineer knows it. I read it Sometimes it takes me days to get through a chapter because it's just so much. I read and then I process and then I come and, and I create, a, um, do a podcast episode. And at the beginning, I was, as I said, I was, you know, like hesitant to do them because I don't like um, how I sound when I read aloud because I am not, you know, I, I'm not a person that's going to call to read a books on tape. You know, that's just not me. I fumble my words, like my, my, my thoughts get ahead of my verbs, uh, my words like I just did. Um, also, I can see a word and know how to pronounce it in my head, but sometimes it just doesn't come out of my mouth. So it does not make for great um, podcast listening if I were here to be a expert at reading to you, but I'm not. I'm at a, I'm, a ex, I'm here as an expert as break as an expert. Since I just did it again at breaking these concepts down to ignorant um, people, to people who most of you just found out in 2016 that there was still racial racial issues. Um, and so again, I'm going to put that question. This is the question I ask. I continue to ask members of the hashtag cause scene community. And unfortunately, most of you parasites, voyeurs have no answer. All right. Page 231. I did not need to forsake anti-racist research and education. I needed to forsake my orientation to anti-research and education. I had to forsake the suasionist bread into me of researching and education educating for the sake of changing minds i had to start researching and educating to change policy the former strategy produces a public scholar the latter produces public scholarship and what i wrote here is this speaks to hashtag causing not being where the real work happens the real work happens for me in when I do tech business leadership coaching, when I'm talking to the, um, um, this is why I don't want to talk to HR. I don't want to talk to mid managers. There's nothing personal. I don't, it's not that I um, do not value the work that you do, but I need to talk to the people who are responsible and who will demand and dictate change. And those are business leaders. Um, uh, hashtag cause the scene is just where I go to, Again, educate the populace, the people who choose to follow me. But that's not where the the, the work is. And I said this a few um, few episodes ago. Hashtag cause a scene is where the demonstration is, but the protest is what I do 
is the prolonged strategy I do with business leaders because I want to affect change. I want the power and influence to have to be able to fundamentally change how tech functions um, and how when we figure this out in tech, when there are enough business leaders who are saying, my God, I no longer want to be complicit in the harming of others. I ought, and I, I recognize that I can do that and still be profitable and, and be profitable and, and make a lot of money, um, then other industries will have to follow. So at the bottom of 231, I just highlighted some of the things he talked about. Um, um, admit racial inequality is a problem of bad policy, not bad people. Identify racial inequality in all of its intersections and manifestations. Investigate and uncover the racist policies causing racial inequality. I mean, inequity, not equality, inequity. Invent and find anti-racist policies that can eliminate racial inequity. Figure out who and what groups has the power to institute anti-racist policy, disseminate and educate about the uncovered racist policy, anti-racist policy correctives, work with sympathetic anti-racist policymakers to institute the anti-racist policies, deploy anti-racist power to compel and drive from power the unsympathetic racist policymakers in order to institute the anti-racist policy. Monitor closely and ensure the anti-racist policy reduces and eliminates racial inequity. When policies fail, do not blame the people. Start over and seek out new and more effective anti-racist treatments until they work. Monitor closely to prevent new racist policies from being instituted. And then I wrote in the margin, this is why I focus on gaining power and influence in business within tech. We impact everything. And also I want to talk about bringing this up again. This is why I'm not enthusiastic about any of the remaining um, presidential candidates because they're not, if you don't have a fundamental anti-racist policy, it is not for me and for many of us about just beating Trump. And you can sit and you can try and shame me. You can try to do all that other bullshit. But uh, what I'm going to tell you, if you don't have a fundamental girding uh, understanding of policy that you're working towards that is fundamentally anti-racist, nothing changes for me. Getting rid of Trump will make some white folks feel good, but it will not change my lived experience because it never has. So until we can have that fucking honest conversation, you can kiss my black ass about trying to tell me who uh, um, anybody, a, a, anybody but Trump, vote anybody but Trump. No, 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 no. You can't tell me that. And this is coming from black, going, to, uh, this is directed to black folks too. You do your vote the way you want to and I will do mine and others of us will do our vote the way we want to. What I'm not going to do is compromise what I know is needed to improve all of our lived, ex- lived experiences by prioritizing the most vulnerable. Voting Trump, when you say anybody but Trump, that prioritizes whiteness. And I need you to understand that because you, white people are finally fucking uncomfortable and you don't want to be uncomfortable no more. I need your asses in pain and you're not there yet. All right, we're going to page 234. Our world is suffering from metastatic cancer, stage four. Racism has spread to nearly every part of the body politic, intersecting with bigotry of all kinds, justifying all kinds of 
of inequities by victim shaming, heightening exploitation, and replaced hate, spurring shooting, uh, mass shootings, arms races, and demigods who polarize nations, shutting down essential organs of democracy, and threatening the life of human society with nuclear war and climate change. In the United States, the mystetic cancer has been spreading, contracting, and threatening to kill the American body as it nearly did before its birth, as it nearly did during its civil war. Stare inside the body of their nation's racial inequities, their neighborhoods' racial inequities, their occupations' racial inequities, their institutions' racial inequities, and flatly deny that those policies are racist. They flatly deny the racial inequity is a signpost of racial policies. They flatly deny the racist policy as they use racist ideas to justify racial inequity. They flatly deny the cancer of racism as the cancer cells spread and literally threaten their own lives and the lives of the people and spaces and places they hold dear. The popular conception of denial, like the popular conception of cessation, is suicidal. And so I wrote, this is why I say that white supremacy is the parasite that is now eating its host. The heartbeat of racism is denial. The heartbeat of anti-racism is confession. Denying my ability to succeed in my cancer fight did not differ from those denying their ability to succeed in the anti-racist fight. Denial is much easier than omission than confession. I have cancer, the most serious stage, Cancer is likely to kill me. I can survive a cancer against all odds. My society has racism, the most da- serious stage. Racism is likely to kill my society. My society can survive racism against all odds. I look past what could harm me in the fight to see all that could bring me joy if I survive. I'm going to read that again because that just sparkles in me. I look past what could harm me in the fight to see all that could bring me joy if I survive. This is the only thing that keeps me going, um, that keeps me moving ahead um, through the tax, through all our tax, all the shit that I have to put up with. The fact that, and this is why I've, uh, this is why I've always been a person who never ran from challenges, who kind of put my head down, like you know, in the wind in Chicago, you put your head down and you just keep moving forward. Um, because I always knew that there was always had this sense and I always experienced that there was something better on the other side of this pain um, that was joyful. Um, and this is why I do this and this is why I continue to move in the way that I move. On page um, 238, pain is usually essential to healing. When it comes to healing America of racism, we want to heal America without pain, but without pain, there is no progress. Hallelujah. And I wrote this with an exclamation point behind it. This is why I say that nothing will fundamentally change until whiteness is in pain. People think I'm being, um, you know, we, we won't even talk about the fact that they think I'm being racist, but they think I'm being mean and callous. And I need white people. I've, I've seen your ability to tolerate discomfort. So at this point, I know that you need pain for us to, for you to see that you have a dog in this fight. For you to see, to recognize that it's not just, oh, let's, I'm your ally because I want to go out and help the, the brown and black people and the people with disabilities and LGBTQ 
um, a plus community. Um, I'm doing this on for you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm this great person. I'm, 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 oh my God, look how much I'm giving to you. I need white folks to understand you're not doing it for me, boo-boo. You're doing it to save your own goddamn skin. Continue on page one thirty uh, two thirty seven. What if we treated racism in a, the way we treat cancer? Saturate the body politic with the chemotherapy or amino therapy of anti-racist policies that shrink the tumors of racial inequities that kill undetectable cancer cells, remove any remaining racist policies the way surgeons remove tumors, ensure that all clear margins, meaning no cancer cells of inequity left in the body politic, only the healthy cells of equity, encourage the consumption of healthy foods for thought and regular exercise of anti-racist ideas to reduce the likelihood of reoccurrence, monitor the body politic, closely, especially when the tumors of racial inequity previously existed. Detect and treat a reoccurrence early before it can grow and threaten the body politic. But before we can treat, we must believe. Believe all is not lost for you and for me and our society. Believe in the possibility that we can strive to be anti-racist from this day forward. Believe in the possibility that we can transform our societies to be anti-racist from this day forward. Racist power is not godly. Racist policies are not indestructible. Racial inequities are not inevitable. Racist ideas are not natural to the human mind. Racism is not even 600 years old. And I put a star by that. That's, that's something we need to know. This isn't from the, from the dawn of time. <laughs> there is nothing I see in our world today in our history, giving me hope that one day anti-racists will win the fight, that one day the flag of anti-racism will fly over the world of equity. What gives me hope is a simple truism. Once we lose hope, we are guaranteed to lose. But if we ignore the odds and fight to create the anti-racist world, then we give humanity a chance to one day survive, a chance to live in communion a chance to be forever free so that's the end of the book so you only have one homework assignment and that homework assignment is simply to ask yourself what are you willing to do in the service of anti-racism that's it what are you willing to do in the service of anti-racism because whatever your answer is, you will have an answer for yourself to tell you how serious you are, how committed you are, how comfortable you are, how your self-interest take priority over others in doing the work that needs to be done. Thank you and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this special episode of the Hashtag Call the Scene podcast. I would like once again to give thanks to the author of How to Be an Anti-Racist, Professor Ibram X. Kendi. Learn more about his work at his website at ibramxkendi.com. Please consider becoming an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Call the Scene movement by visiting the website at hashtagcallthescene.com. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.